For as long as David could remember, he always loved to praise God. During the countless hours he spent alone keeping and protecting his dad's sheep, David had come to know the joy of being in God's presence and the thrill of feeling God's power. And those experiences with God in those lonely fields had made David a worshiper. David worshipped God while he watched sheep sleep. And one day, while David was out in the fields, a messenger came running and told David, Come come at once! Samuel, the prophet, the man of God, he's calling for you. Samuel? The prophet? The man of God? Calling for me? David could hardly believe his ears. David did come at once, and when he arrived, the unthinkable happened. Samuel lifted a horn of oil, poured it all over David's head, and anointed David to be the next king of Israel. David, the youngest of his family, would be Israel's next king. A shepherd would be a king. That took a while for the shock to wear off. But later, when David was finally alone again, He praised God for such a blessing, such an honor. Then time passed, and another messenger came from David, and this time it was a message from the king. King Saul commands you to come at once to his court to play for him. King Saul? Calling for him? How could it be? Now a lonely shepherd would now be a court musician and one step closer to the throne. And David praised God for his favor. David continued faithfully serving his father's flock, serving his king. But then his father's task took him to the valley of Elah, where he went to take food for his brothers who were soldiers in Saul's army. But David heard a Philistine giant's boasts and blasphemy, and it was too much for David to take. God stirred up that fighting spirit within David. And with a reluctant blessing of King Saul, David took up a sling and five smooth stones and ran toward the giant Goliath to battle. To the shock of the other soldiers, David won. He triumphed over their great Philistine champion. And David praised God for his power and for his presence. David had known what it was like to praise God, but on the way back home after slaying Goliath, he learned what it was like to be praised. His young heart thumped loudly with pride when he heard the women singing his praise. And at that moment of victory, he never could have imagined he had just made an enemy more lethal than Goliath. And facing this new enemy and the afflictions and trials and tribulation and the all-out run for his life, David learned something about God and his faithfulness, and he would learn something about praise. David had always praised God in the good times, and now he would learn to praise God at all times, even in the bad times. We're going to hear more about his story right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. Hope you're having a great summer day. This is LJ Harry. I'm your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life companion podcast. And we are in the middle of a summer series that is known as God is Our Refuge. And today's episode stems from a lesson that was dated July 17, 2022, entitled, Bless the Lord 
at all times. And that, of course, comes from the 34th Psalm, verse 1. So if you have your Bible, you have your phone, if you would turn there or click there or just listen, and I'll be glad to read to you that simple, singular verse from Psalm 34. Verse 1, David, this very same David, wrote, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. After David killed Goliath, King Saul could not get over how jealous he was of David. King Saul heard the women sing their song, and he had heard their song before. Saul has slain his thousands. Saul loved that verse. But then they added another verse for their newfound hero, the champion David. And they sang, David has slain his ten thousands. Saul did not like that verse. There was a murderous seed of envy planted in Saul's heart that day, and it didn't take long for that seed to spring up. Soon after that, while David was playing the harp for Saul, an evil spirit came upon Saul, and Saul launched his spear at David, trying to pin him between the spear and the palace wall. But David fled for his life. The evidence was there. It was indisputable. Saul was determined to kill David. And Saul's very own son, Jonathan, secretly warned David to run for his life. And in response, David made a very risky decision. He fled to Gath one of the five main cities of the Philistines. Here's a question for you. What was the root cause of Saul's jealousy? I mean, think about it. Saul was still the king. David was still a servant. Saul was in no danger of losing the throne. So why was he so paranoid that he would? Maybe David thought he could flee to Gath and just kind of go under the radar, but he was sadly mistaken. Hardly had he arrived in Gath before some of the king Achish's servants recognized him right away. Wait a minute, that, 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 that guy right there, he's the one who slew our champion Goliath. What's he doing here? David probably didn't fully realize what an impression he made on the Philistines when he beat Goliath and he beat their other soldiers in battles after Goliath. And the Philistines regarded him as a mighty captain in Israel. They even called him the king of the land. Maybe that's why Saul was jealous. They knew exactly who David was. And Achish's servants took David into custody right away, and they brought him before their king, and they asked the question, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another about him in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? What in the world is he doing here? When he heard that, fear gripped David. If King Saul got his grisly, greedy hands on David, surely King Saul would put David to death. But now that Achish had David in custody, surely Achish will put David to death. What's David going to do? And then he had an idea. Far-fetched but desperate. 1 Samuel 21 verse 13 reads, He changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. David... David pretended to be out of his mind, and his performance was worthy of an award. Achish thought David was out of his mind. Achish and the other Philistines probably didn't need a lot of convincing. Would Think about it. Would any sane Israelite in their right mind have shown up alone in one of their cities? Let alone one Israelite so famous as David. He had to be crazy. He didn't care about his life? So Achish promptly had David thrown out of the city. I love what Achish says. He says, really, you're going to bring me another madman? Don't we have enough here? 
<laughs> that is priceless. David didn't hang around to see if Achish might change his mind. He ran away as far and fast from Gath as he could get. And later, David would write a psalm about his experience in Gath, Psalm 34. David realized and revealed that he had not relied on ingenuity and acting skills to escape that fearful, sure dance with death. While in Philistine custody, he relied on God. He called out to God in prayer. And yet David played that role well. He did everything he could think of. He did the best he could, but he knew God not his acting skills, God set him free. So he gave God all the credit. Psalm 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me, thank God for that, and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. And then verse 17, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Now David trusted in God but he also made an effort as well. So what does this suggest about the role we play when we need deliverance and freedom? When there's something we could do, ought we do it? Or do we just wait on God to do it all? I do believe this example teaches us sometimes God uses what we give him. We do what we can. He does what we can't. Thankfully, we serve a God who knows all of our fears. He hears all of our cries. He delivers us, David said, from all of our troubles. We'll probably never be in the exact same situation David was in. We'll probably never run into the throne room or into the Oval Office of a foreign national king or monarch or ruler of some sort and feign to be insane. However, we have an enemy actively trying to destroy us, actively on the hunt, actively trying to take us out. He will never stop. He doesn't take a day off. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But thank God, we do have a greater present tense reality. For the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. God is always surrounding us. As we hold on to that promise, we are, as Peter said in verse 9, we are to resist our enemy, steadfast in the faith. We don't rely on ourselves in the face of our enemy, but we firmly put our faith in God and we submit ourselves to him. And in that submission, we resist the devil and he has to flee. And when he flees, we can sing along with David, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. That was David's testimony. How about yours? Can you testify of a time when God delivered you from a demonic attack? You knew the enemy was on your trail and God delivered you. Well, David got out of Gath. He made his way to the cave of Adullam, according to 1 Samuel chapter 22. It's about 10 miles southeast of Gath and what was a no man's land between the territories controlled by the Philistines and the Israelites. So he's not in friend or foe territory. Sadly, because of King Saul's hatred and jealousy, even being in the territory of the friend was really being in the territory of the foe. But there in Adullam, there are so many caves and There were natural fortifications. It made it a perfect place for somebody like David on the run to hide and find refuge from an enemy like Saul in his army seeking to kill David. Somehow David's family found out he had gone there and they joined him. And they feared Saul too. After all, if Saul couldn't easily get to David, he could get to his family, either to imprison them or kill them or maybe even use them as a bargaining chip to get David to come back. So they sought refuge with David there in that stronghold in the cave of Adullam. But they weren't alone. 
Others joined them as well. I love this. This is a great lineup. This is far from a dream team, but this was David's dream team to start. First Samuel 22 verse 2 reads, And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves together unto David, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. Think of that ragtag bunch of heroes. Everybody in debt, discontented, and distressed raised their hands and said, Hey, David, we'll join your team. (laughs) These 400 men, they didn't do so great under Saul's rule. Life in Saul's kingdom had brought them nothing but bitterness, discontentment. Now they were in debt. They were distressed. And so these outcasts were ready for a change. They looked around. They saw nothing in their current lives under Saul's leadership worth saving and going back to. So they decided to throw in their lot with David. This outlaw David had an outlaw band of 400 outlaws ready to serve and follow him wherever he would lead. I don't know what their devotion looked like or how they worshiped God or didn't worship God, but they told David, wherever you're going, that's where we're going. We are your army. And David learned a truth that can sustain us through all of our trials, all of our troubles. He learned that God is always a steadfast presence and help, and we are never alone. God will always save us, deliver us, even when we are utterly crushed by our circumstance. Remember the righteous cry and the Lord hears. That alone is great comfort and peace. But here's the best part. He delivered them out of all their troubles. He doesn't just hear us. He delivers us. And here's my favorite verse of the 34th Psalm. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. When you are broken, God is near. He does not run from us when life breaks us. Rather, he is closest to us when life breaks us because he's the only one with the patience and the power to put us back together again. David revealed a very important, beautiful fact in the verse 19 when he said, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. There are blessings, many blessings in living for God, but God doesn't promise to keep us from afflictions. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Our afflictions, they might be many in this life. As you count your blessings and you count your afflictions, you might count high on both sides of the ledger. But David also revealed another important fact about those afflictions in the selfsame verse. The Lord delivereth them out of them all, all of them. God is our deliverer. David experienced such a beautiful promise, and David showed us how we should respond as he began the 34th Psalm with, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David didn't praise God for every detail of every affliction he faced. However, he praised God for his faithful presence in every detail and every affliction he faced, and he boasted that God is the only one able to deliver us. David said, I will praise him in the middle of my afflictions at all times. I will bless the Lord because the Lord has been with me at all times. As David declared that faith-filled commitment to bless God at all times, he called all who heard his song to join him in blessing the Lord in all their times. For my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And David said, as he looked out, as his ragtag, outlawed, 400 indebted, discontented, distressed men 
And David said, Come on, guys, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David called us to magnify the Lord and exalt his holy name, not on occasion or only on Sundays and Wednesdays, or not just in good times, but at all times, because God is present and God is worthy at all times. Hallelujah. Glory. Okay, let's wrap this up. Are you experiencing the favor of God now? Maybe your life is overflowing with God's blessings. I hope so. A very dear friend of mine sings a song, and the lyrics read, I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. I hope that's your testimony. I hope you respond in that time to bless God. I hope you praise him. During every one of your joy-filled, saucer-full, cup-overflowing full days, I hope you lift your voice to God and you bless his name. Thank him for the good things that you're receiving from his kind and benevolent hand. It should not be a challenge for the child of God to think on all the good things in life and bless the Lord in those good times. But maybe you're not experiencing those good times. Maybe you're in affliction. Maybe sorrow has filled your heart and your cup is not filled with joy, but rather with sorrow. And maybe it has even overflowed and you're having to drink from the saucer, a saucer of sorrow. Maybe right now joy is just a faint memory. So how do you respond in these times? We bless the Lord. We praise him. Not for the affliction or the sorrow necessarily, We don't have to bless him for the specifics of our situation that are hurting us, perhaps even crushing us. David didn't praise and thank God for the privilege of being hunted by Saul or being under arrest in Gath or the possibility of being put to death in front of all of his enemies. No, David praised God for his faithful presence in the midst of those times, in the midst of his affliction. While he ran from Saul and while he was under arrest and while he might have faced death in the presence of his enemies, David praised God that God was with him and God was hearing him, hearing his cries, calming his fears. He praised God for delivering him. David's experience of God's faithfulness and affliction became the foundation for his life of praise and the basis for him calling on God's people to the same life of praise at all times. It's difficult, I know it is, to praise God in affliction. It's difficult knowing that God could bring us out of it right away, but chooses sometimes not to. But we should praise him anyways, because in doing so will we taste and see that God is indeed good, even when life is indeed bad, and God does bless us and deliver us when we trust in him. When we've experienced this for ourselves, God can powerfully use us to come alongside those who are in the middle of their suffering and speak a word of encouragement to them, and we can tell them, praise God, bless God, seek God, take it from me. I know it because I've lived it. He is near you, he will hear you, and he will deliver you from all your fears. I would like to bless the Lord right now at all times. If you're in one of those two times, If you are so joy-filled, peace-filled, blessing-filled right now, would you bless the Lord and thank him for all those blessings? And if you are sorrow-filled and fear-filled and you're in the middle of the toughest time of your life, would you lift your hands and close your eyes unless you're driving, keep those open, keep your hands on the wheel. But thank God, bless God in this time because he will see you through this time just as he has 
at other times. Lord, I love you and I bless you at all times. Right now, God, my life is so blessed. You have been so good to me. You have rained down, poured down blessings on me. I thank you and I bless you in this time. For all those whose testimony is the same as mine, we bless you today at all times. But God, for those who are afflicted, those who are running, those who have received a diagnosis from the doctor or a dim prognosis from the doctor or those who are in debt or those who are dealing with family troubles and broken homes, and I ask you, Lord, to help them to bless you at all times. I know there will be times in my life when I will face those afflictions and those difficult times. In those times, I want to bless you just as I do in this time. So help us today, whether it's a good day or a bad day, help us to lift our voice and our hands and our hearts and bless you at all times, for you alone are good at all times. Deliver those, I pray, who are in affliction, God. I ask you to reach for them. Deliver them. Let them know you are near them and you hear them. I pray today in the name of Jesus, you are good at all times. And today we will bless you at all times in the name, in the precious, in the faithful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So be it. Amen. Hey, thank you so much, God's Word for Life listeners. I I pray you bless the Lord at all times. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us for God's Word for Life. Be sure to click subscribe. Be sure to click share. And you can be a blessing to somebody and help them to bless the Lord at all times. And you'll never miss an episode. You'll know exactly when every episode drops. So click subscribe, click share. Also, head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. We've got some wonderful resources, Bibles, Bible studies, books, music, devotionals, wonderful resources for you to help you in your discipleship and to help others in their discipleship. Maybe your personal library makes the Library of Congress look like a bookstore. But you can bless somebody else and share their resources with them. Head over to PentecostalPublishing.com for some great resources. Next week, we continue walking through the book of Psalms, and we go to Psalm 46. And I want to share with you an episode called Our Refuge and Strength from Psalm 46. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.